What's up, everybody? Chris here. We have an incredible conversation for you today. Antonio Shelton, defensive tackle, joined us to talk about everything that's happening in the world right now, talking about race issues in America, his experience as a black athlete. Um, we get into some football, too, at the end, but really, really loved having an honest and open conversation with Antonio. Uh, we have a little bit of audio issues in the beginning. You're going to hear it be a little bit choppy and, and cut in and out, um, but that does fix itself after 10 minutes or so, so, so stay tuned. Uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this one let's get it ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another edition of no name all game today june 17th i am incredibly excited for this episode joining us is current defensive tackle from your nittany lions antonio shelton antonio how you doing man i'm good how you guys doing doing great for uh time joining us uh we were just chatting before you started uh you said you're still at home in ohio right not back in state college yet yeah i'm still home nice nice um so yeah for our listeners um antonio and i were talking on twitter a couple weeks ago um talking about football asking if he wanted to come and, and chat with us on the podcast um it's really exciting um, but around the same time, um, might have even been the same day, is when the news of George Floyd's murder uh, came to light um, and really sparked everything that we've been seeing the last couple of weeks. Uh, and we just thought it was really important to have that conversation. Um, we'll get to football a little bit later. Um, but Antonio, of course, you know, we've seen you kind of speaking on Twitter, um, you, know, you know, voicing your opinion. Um, Pat and I, obviously, both as, as white men have experienced um, these last couple of weeks and our entire lives very differently um, than you have. So we wanted to, wanted to start there, um, get your perspective. Um, how have these last few weeks been for you and, and your family, and, and how are you dealing with that? Um, I mean, these last couple of weeks, honestly, have been kind of disheartening in a sense just because you know, people are still being murdered by the police. But I've also found a great sense of motivation in this um, in a way to, uh, in the sense of, um, you know, putting, putting acts into words. Um, I kind of told myself I was kind of over just, you know, saying stuff on the internet and not really doing anything to back it up. So, um, you know, kind of closer following George, uh, George Floyd's death. I, uh, a good friend of mine who plays Ohio State, um, I texted him. And I was like, hey, man, you want to go down to the state house and protest? Because there's people down there protesting already. And he was like, bro, I'm already here. So I went down there with him, um, went down there and protested. Uh, it was a great thing to see a bunch of different people because uh, Columbus is a very diverse city. Seeing a bunch of different people, all different walks of life, all different type, all different colors, religions, you know, everything like that, um, you know, together. You know, people are recognizing that um, that that this is a serious issue, and people are also understanding that we need help. You know, this isn't you know something that is going to be going overnight, but there are immediate steps that need to be taken to stop these actions and stop these murders from happening. Um, so, yeah, um, me and my mom got kind of emotional. Um, after the initial video came out, like she came downstairs like with tears in her eyes and stuff because she has three black kids and I, 
her husband is black, so it's like, you know, she was just, she was very, uh, she's very emotional about everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, I, yeah, I, I really do think, um, you know, you mentioned a lot of different people taking action, coming together. Like, I, I really do think this is possibly the most important event movement in, in my lifetime. Um, I'm a little older than you. I'm, I'm about to be 30, Pat. What are you, 28? <laughs> right yeah. there. Um, you know, we've, we've lived some things, right? You know, lived through, through the Boston Marathon bombing. Um, and I think the difference, at least what I've kind of seen, um, you know, as I get educated more on this, um, you know, all of that is, is it's easy for America to kind of rally together against sort of a common enemy. Um, challenge now is that the, the conflict is sort of internal. Um, and I think uh, as we kind of look at it through the lens of sports and, and college football, it's kind of a perfect microcosm for, um, you know, race issues and what's happening in the country where you have fans, millions of fans across the country who are very excited to root for black athletes when they're on the field, winning a game, winning a championship. But then some of those same people are, are the ones who are either directly against the Black Lives Matter movement or just not not involved at all. So um, I was curious a little bit if you could tell us like what your experience has been like as, as a black athlete in college football, you know, one of the most popular sports in the country and, and anything that you've experienced during your time. Um, one thing that I'm actually, I'm, I'm very glad you brought that up because um, it's actually something that we've been talking about. Um, just my friends and I, um, just have kind of vibe. like, yeah, these people really, really like hardware, you know what I'm saying? Hardware being no trophies, rings, things like that. Um, you know, you make a play on Saturday, you know, you make them feel good about their lives, and that's when they care about you. But then when you say, I need you to care about me as a person, because there are things outside of this realm that are that bother me and that are directly affecting me and people that look like me as well, then it, then it, it kind of falls on deaf ears. So my experience as a black athlete at, at Penn State has been uh, – it, it's, it's hard for me to put into words, but I'll give you an example. I'll give you a, a story. So it was my freshman freshman year, just my sophomore year in college. Um, we aren't we aren't allowed to have cars as freshmen, right? It's just a I can't remember if it's a university policy or if it's just a, a Coach Franklin policy. But either way, we're not allowed to have our cars. So sophomore year comes around, I get my car and I bring it up to school. And friends of mine, uh, me and my me and my teammates, we um were bored one day, so we're like, "Yo, let's go to the mall in Altoona, right?" So we go to the mall in Altoona. Coming back, sun's going down, so me, I'm not used to being in rural areas when the sun is down. I don't think any of us are. So on the freeway coming back. Um, on the way coming back, and uh, we get pulled over. Um, so it's five of us in the car, and we're coming back from Altoona. We get pulled over because I was speeding. Um, cop comes up to the car, and, like, immediately, like, 
the five of us are nervous just off rip, just immediately just because we know how this thing when the people are supposed to, you know, protect you are the people who are in direct opposition of you because of things that you literally cannot control. So get pulled over, cop comes to the window, interaction was fine. Everything was all good. He was like, oh, okay, uh, blah, 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 talking to us, didn't give him no static. Cool, got my ticket, right? I'm thinking this interaction is done. He comes back to the car with my ticket, and he was like, yeah, um, just, uh, he's like, yeah, I just want to, uh, you know, everything's fine. Here's your ticket. He's like, I just want to let you know. I smell, I smell hints of marijuana in the car. And I had this, I had just gotten this car about a week before I had to, before I had to go back to school because uh, my old car wouldn't have made it. It was a beater that I had in high school. It just wouldn't have made it, right? So, in my head, and none of us smoke weed because we get drug tested yeah. regularly. Yeah. It's literally a part of the scholarship, right? And even even if you're not on scholarship, it's just part of being a, a collegiate athlete. You get drug tested. So I look at my teammates and I'm like, I'm like, bro, like, are you are you serious right now? Like, because I know what that means, right? In my head, this is what I immediately start running through. I'm like, he smells, he, like, he said he smells weed in the car. What's that sound like? That sounds like probable cause. Next thing I know, in my head, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, next thing I know, five of us are out on the freeway, face down, in handcuffs, while at least two or three other cop cars pull up here and they search my car and there's nothing in it because he claimed that he smells something. It was, it's just like, even in the immediate surrounding communities of State College, I felt like we all still felt it was, it's like a, it was like a gut check or it's not, not a gut check. But it was like a punch in the gut. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, remember who you are and where you are kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, you get, it's, you don't matter. You can't escape this. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't escape the reality of the situation. So it's, it, and it's not like, I, it, that has always rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm like, man, let's, let's get dude benefit of the doubt. Even though I know he might not give me benefit of the doubt. Let's try to, you know what I'm saying? He's like, let's just try. I don't know this man. He don't know me. But then he said that. And I was just like, man, come on, man. Like, I ain't no way you smell weed in this car. Like, well, like, like for what? Like, you know what I mean? So, that that that's I think that's a little that story or that example is kind of a good way to describe my experience, kind of as a as a, a black athlete as well. But there's also it's, it's it's one thing that I really don't think it's talked to, talked about a lot is there's kind of a um, it's hard to kind of find an identity, so to speak, um, within the black community sometimes uh, at, at predominantly white schools because people expect you to be a certain way, right? 
So it's like, you know, people expect you to, you know, not socialize with others, um, which to be honest with you, kind of happens naturally a little bit because time, each other like 95% of the time. And even when we're not in the facility or we're not traveling or playing a game, we live with each other. Yeah. So we're always around each other, right? So it could kind of easily happen where you really don't socialize with too many other people. But it's also like people culturally, people expect you to be a certain way. It's kind of like people expect you to sell out in a certain sense. And it's kind of so it's like you kind of maybe feel this sense of rejection from your own community, so to speak. And it's like, I'm kind of craving, we, we kind of, we want acceptance from y'all, yeah. you know? Because, yeah. I mean, I play football, you don't. That's the path that I chose. We're on two different paths of life that we, have, we both chose. It's right. neither one of our fault. But I don't, think that is fair when people judge that black athletes specifically football players immediately just because of what you might see on the movies or in t on tv or on the internet a couple times like how you, like you don't know me you know so i mean that's one thing that i'm very i'm thankful of. so i i kind of realized that and i took that like i internalized it and that's one thing I'm, I'm very grateful, you know, that my fraternity has, has brought to me is uh, a sense of uh, uh, self-actualization, you know, within myself, um, knowing that I can do, like I always knew I could do more things, um, you know, than more than just football, but it's, it's kind of, it's grounded me a little bit more, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, gave me a, a stronger foundation yeah absolutely and I and I think the you know the when you talked about the story with, with the, the cop pulling you over and kind of people expecting something of you like that, that's one thing that uh, again you know I, I've had a lot of conversations with with my family with family friends you know growing up in a predominantly white area um, those are things that we just we just don't think about like I, I haven't experienced that where I've been pulled over and, and have even thought about this is going to escalate and like whether whether we've experienced or not whether we've seen it or not um, I think one of the challenges that, you know, like I said, in my own personal experiences, when I'm trying to have these conversations with, with white family members or, or friends is that because they haven't seen it, because they haven't experienced, it's not real to them. And, and that's what, like, I, I hope these conversations and these protests and, and everything that's going on right now, I hope that it, it shows that realness, um, and, and kind of brings it open to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I want, I want to kind of, I want to make it clear, like people, because, because uh, I, I see a lot on the internet, you know, people are like, oh, like, sarcastically being like, oh, I'm sorry for being white. Like, just because, like, you hear these things and because, like, basically what this boils down to is that this is not an attack on white people. At least how I think. This yeah. is not an attack on white people. Because at the end of the day, like you said, it's just something that you have never had to think about. And you don't have to think about certain situations if you've never been in them. So it's like, to an extent, I can't get mad at you for for not experiencing the things that I experienced or that we experienced. 
Like, this is not an attack on white people. What this is is just being like, yo, like, this is our reality. And just because you may not see it, like you said, doesn't mean that it's not real. You know, I, I don't ever want people to think that, like, this is that anything that's going on when it comes to civil rights or anything of that, you know, within that, that scope is an attack on white people. It's not. What's what's an it's an attack on injustice. Yeah. So yeah, like, it doesn't no matter what you look like. White people act like it's like it's something being taken away from us. When it's just like, no, all you want is to have that same expectation that it's all gonna like that when you do get pulled over, it's all just gonna be normal. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I I've been I'm like a I think in, similar to what Chris was saying, like something that. You know, most white people, I have no idea what the experience is like, is walking into a place and being the only person that looks like you. And like, even at Penn State, like, I know it's not exactly like a J. Crew catalog, but it, you know, it is predominantly white school. Um, you know, how important is it to have that, you know, community in the team where you aren't the only person that looks like you, and also to have it like run by a guy in Coach Franklin who knows what that's like, you know, especially when there's all these things with like Coach. Van Gundy, Coach Gundy happening, and Swinney, and all these things going on. How different does that feel for you guys? Um, well, while being recruited, um, you know, knowing that Coach Franklin was a black man and that he has a primarily black staff, um, just provided a sense of, of comfort for me, to be honest with you, because the majority of my coaches in my formative years were black men as well. And I grew up without a dad. So the majority of those coaches were father figures to me. And so it was just something that I could relate to because um, I know that, like, if I have an issue, there's a different level of understanding that, you know what I'm saying, that the coaches can can hit me with, um, you know, to to help me out. Um, but, like, as far, as far as the team goes, I mean, like, I – it. Race really does not – it doesn't matter in the locker room because we uh, what we see – because first of all, we're friends, right? Yeah. We're friends, first and foremost. And friendship is one of the most important things that we have as human beings. And we see each other every day, and we know what type of people we are because we're all working towards the same goal. It's like, I mean, like – in a locker room of 120-something guys, you're not going to be best friends with everybody. You may, you may like, not like somebody as much as somebody else, but it's like, hey, I know what type of guy this is. He wants to win just as much as me. You know what I mean? So I think that that's something that uh, that's really important. And, you know, to Coach Franklin be one of the, you know, the only – one of the few uh, blackhead coaches – in college, in college or professional football, at a university, at a, a university like Penn State, you know, is astonishing. To be honest with you, because it's like, you know, look, like look what you could do. You know what I'm saying? It's like look what you could do. You know, if you if you if you really wanted to, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And it's, yeah, you talk about the you know representation of. Coach. In, in college and in, in the NFL, um, as we were kind of getting ready for this this conversation, I was doing a little research. Uh, the NCAA uh, on their website actually has statistics on, on demographics, um, and it goes back to 2012. So 
uh, for players from 2012 to 2019, uh, percentage of black players went from 47% up to 49%. Um, so almost half of all uh, college football players are black. Um, if you include all uh, people who are non-white, it actually jumps up to 63%. Um, then when you look at the head coaches, that number is actually from 2012 to 2019 gone from 18% down to 15%, which obviously is completely disproportionate um, and seeing, you know, Coach Franklin as one of the few black head coaches, I think us as, as sort of um, you know, fans and seeing it from the outside, we see the, the passion and the love that he has for you guys, for the community, for his family. Um, you know, we saw a little bit of peek behind the curtain in that HBO document. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's encouraging for us as well. You know, when we do have conversations like this, when we look past football um, to see a man, you know, run the program that, that we can all kind of, you know, rally behind too and, and see how, how much he cares for all of you. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I'm really glad we did that HBO thing, actually. We talked yeah, a lot about it before we did it. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And, and I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later when we do uh, some football questions. Um, Pat, you want to go up next? Yeah, um, so, you know, there, there have been a few guys who have been, like, pretty outspoken through everything. Lamont Wade has been all over Twitter. Um, C.J. Thorpe's been talking, P.J. Mustafer, and even, like, some of the alumni, uh, Cabinda, Allen Robinson, Nick, Nick Scott, Saquon, have all been kind of outspoken about, you know, everything going on. And, you know, it, I, I even saw when you, you tweeted about um, that you wanted to go down to the protest, but you had to worry about, you know, what if something happens and they don't let me play football anymore? It, what, what's it like having that platform, but also just having so much more to lose if you use it? Man. Oh, oh man. Um, at a certain point, you have to put the respect to your community over a paycheck, potentially. I've been playing football since I was five years old. I'm 22. I'm about to turn 23 in August. So I've literally been doing this my entire life. And I would hate myself if... I didn't feel like I did everything to make a difference in the few years that I have where people are really going to listen to me yeah. because I mean, let's keep it real guys who have long NFL careers. That's very few and far between Yep. guys that have super like, like Ray Lewis type careers, 16 years, couple Super Bowls, man, that's few and far between. Tom Brady-type careers, man, like, so people are going to listen to what I have to say now because I do something right now for their team that they enjoy. And the second that that's over, they might stop listening to me. So the nervousness to – first things first, I'm like, I don't want to go down here – and get tear gassed or get hit with one of these rubber bullets and get hurt and, like, have a serious injury or something because people are losing eyeballs and stuff out here to that type of stuff. But I texted one of my one of my, uh, my frat brothers about it. He was like, man, he's like, whatever you do, you have to trust yourself and you have to make that decision. So he said, marinate on it as long as you can, but once you make a decision, you got to stay with it. So that's what I did. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, honestly, I mean, that's, again, I can't even imagine even having to make that decision. Um, but I think from us watching this, you know, unfold, it's been inspiring for a lot of us to see, um, you know, so many of you guys kind of using that platform together, like Pat mentioned, um, CJ's speech when he was in State College, you know, that resonated so, so heavily with me. Um, seeing Lamont talk, seeing some of the older guys talk, I've seen, um, you know, people go on, on different podcasts and shows like this to, to, to build that conversation and again, kind of, you know, make this something that is real for everyone. Um, so I want to ask a question. This might be a dumb question, but I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, I think as as white people, you know, we are listening, learning, trying to be a part of the solution. At least we hope, you know, that, that most people are. Um, but of course, there's, there's, you know, people that just don't get it. Um, you know, there's some companies that put out a statement to be politically correct or, you know, the Instagram influencers who put the put the black box on, but then go back to like bikini pictures the next day. Um, so it's going to take time. It's going to take time for people to kind of really understand this. Um, is there anything, you know, that when you think about this that you want to see from, um, you know, either your white teammates, white fans. I know you talked about how, you know, you guys are all kind of one as a team, but is there, is there anything that you're hoping to see from people who, who aren't, um, you know, in the same situation? One thing that, to answer your question, one thing that I think needs that I recognize is, you know, something that Coach Franklin always preaches is, you know, say you got to know your role. You know, everybody's role is not going to be the same. As far as that, that black box stuff that I've seen, I'm like, I, I tweeted about it. I said, yeah, that, that black box ain't doing nothing for nobody. Like, okay, cool. Like, I understand posting in solidarity, you know, and things like that. But, like, uh, I mean, if we're going to do all that, then that kind of opens up a whole other can of worms about, like, the internet and how people are influenced and influence their culture and all that other weird type of stuff. But what I will say is I think people just got to know their role. You know, everybody is not going to. I feel like a problem now is everybody wants to be, you know, up front. Like, you know what I'm saying? I commend people for, for wanting to be leaders and wanting to be in leadership roles. But that's not everybody's, that's not everybody's thing, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a, like, there's a difference. Like, all right, I'll give you an example, right? Lamont, Lamont is super outspoken with things. Super outspoken. You know what I'm saying? Even within the team. You know, he brings things, he's, he, bring, he brings things, you know, to us, and we all work together. Now, what I'm not going to do is just sit here and try to out-compete Lamont to see who can be the most progressive and, like, be the most woke and things like that because that's corny. Yeah. Sometimes you got to know when to follow somebody's lead, right? So that's what I've been doing, right? And whenever I feel like there's an opportunity for me to step out and be a leader on my own, that's what I do. But I also know sometimes when there's something I might not know as much about or, you know, saying somebody needs my help, all right, cool, I got you. I follow your lead. Things like that. That's why I just think, I think people just got to understand, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's role is important. You know, even the guys like our custodial crew who, who clean who clean the building every day, we don't win without them. You know what I'm saying? Because our equipment staff, we don't win without them. Training staff, we don't win without them. The walk-on guys who, you know what I'm saying, who may really be on the practice squad, we don't win without them. Yeah. Just like you don't, just like you don't win without the guys that go out there and start on Saturdays. 
I'm saying everybody's role is, is just as important as the next. So that's what I, I just think people just got to um, people have to try to understand. Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. And like I said, I think, you know, as as we try to, to learn and, and kind of become more educated, we're you know, figuring out what our role is, too. And, and, you know, hopefully conversations like this is is the beginning of it. You know, we don't we don't have a massive platform by any means, but if we can have a productive conversation like this and learn and, and hopefully educate some people. That's, you know, that's that's a good start. For sure. Yeah, and um, so like you're talking about knowing your role, and then there now of course there's always there's sometimes there's the negative side that would people try to tell you to do that like uh like this, this Laura Ingram Ingram woman who's on Fox News who when Drew Brees has an opinion he's entitled to opinion when you know it's someone she doesn't like who you know surprise surprise is a black athlete it's shut up you're an athlete and you tweeted out like that's exactly why you decided to be a broadcast journalism major because you know, part of the reason you're tired of seeing things like that. You're tired of seeing that kind of reporting. Um, you know, obviously, we, we want your playing career to be very long, but uh, I'm sure you want to get in some kind of broadcast journalism after the playing career, and we'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, man. Yo, that was so whack to me, man. Like, oh, my. First of all, you talking to LeBron James. Shut your mouth. Right? No, you don't you don't speak to LeBron James unless spoken to, all right? Like I, uh, I think it was Dave Chappelle, not Dave Chappelle. Somebody said it. It might have been Dave Chappelle. He was talking. He was like, he was like she's talking to the greatest basketball player, arguably ever. I think he's the greatest basketball player ever. Greatest basketball player right now. He, and she's not great at anything. <laughs> like it's like before you choose to criticize somebody. You choose to criticize somebody, understand who you're talking about first. Shut your mouth. Because one thing that I also notice is, from hearing like my grandparents speak and people who are older, like, oh, this generation has no leadership. Okay. Well, then who does this society, and then it's like, oh, like, well, you know, we had people like, you know, Muhammad Ali and da 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 da. Okay. Great. Who does this society place? a lot of value into entertainers and athletes. And you can kind of make the argument that they go hand in hand or they're kind of almost the same thing. Right. Yep. So when LeBron James, who is a worldwide figure, everybody knows who LeBron James is. Everybody. My grandma is 80 something years old. She knows who LeBron James is. Yep. My sister is three. She knows who LeBron James is. <laughs> like, so when this man gets up here and takes a stand and speaks on issues that he believes strongly in that specifically have to do that, that, that impact people that look like him and even himself, because we, as we clearly seen when he, his house in LA got vandalized with the N word across, across the, uh, across his garage. That's LeBron James. It don't stop for nobody. So I think that that is extremely hypocritical when people say that, that we don't have any, we don't have any, uh, any leadership. But then when our athletes step up and really try to say something, then they're condemned for it. And we're, we're made that once again to be these stupid athletes, which is not the case. Yeah. But as far as Drew Brees goes, it, it's a clear double standard, right? And there's still the confusion about Cap kneeling during the anthem and – 
how people still will try to spin it and say that it's about disrespecting the military, which when a veteran gave him the idea to do it, yep. it makes zero sense to me, right? So I, I think it's just a clear double standard that we're dealing with here. And, you know, I mean, I don't really want to – I don't kind of really know how to speak so much specifically on the Drew Brees situation because I feel like his teammates already did that enough. Yeah. You know, like Malcolm Jenkins put out that, that video, which you know, it was very emotional. You know, and I felt him, which kind of – which we all feel like that, you know. Because, like, I, w- I would be absolutely heartbroken if one of my teammates said that. Yeah. Or, or, you know, didn't have my back in an issue that is life and death most of the time. You know, like it, it would it's like, how am I supposed to feel, bro? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I felt him on that. But, yeah, I think what you point out, you know, the double standard in the media, you know, we could have hours long conversation about the media and how, how things are portrayed and how people tune in and all of that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we saw that tweet where you were saying that, you know, you got into broadcast journalism and, um, you know, that, that was inspiring to, to have you thought about, you know, when playing days are over, you know, what you might want to get into. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like once I'm done with sports, I kind of want to be done with it a little bit. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. Um, the biggest thing I think with like sports covering sports is sometimes one thing that I've just noticed with black athletes is like versus a white athlete is like, Oh, well, it's kind of like a shut up. Like you're lucky. We let you in the door type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like you're lucky. We let you in here as if, you know, it doesn't take like, ridiculous i can't even put into words how much hard work and dedication this takes to do this especially for such a finite time but so that that's one thing that i think if i if i cover sports that i would really get into for mm-hmm. like because you know with a white athlete who's like, oh no this guy wore just tail off blah, blah 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 okay well so did the black athlete that you was just criticizing and what i'm what i'm saying is just go easy on black athletes because we're adults yeah. you know what i'm saying you gotta have thick skin at the end of the day but it, you also have to be very selective with your language and how you say things and the tone in which you say it. Because most of the time, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. You know what I mean? So it's like, on the other hand, I kind of want to get more into, you know, the things that I'm into off the field. Sure. Uh, sort of covering that type of thing because I feel like there's still just – I basically, I, I just feel like there's a lot of irresponsible reporting in a lot of places, like in a lot of media outlets. So I think I could do, I could do better. So, you know, grand scheme, I like to own my own company, like my own publication. Um, but I also don't have a problem with working for somebody else, like somebody, you know, like Complex, The Fader, uh, Pitchfork, you know, things like that. Those are like music and culture uh, magazines, Double um, XL, you know, things like that. So I could you know, help them out. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, you got, you got a strong voice. You know, we, we love chatting with you. I love following you on Twitter. Um, we do our best to, to, to try to be uh, somewhat educated on, on all things. You know, obviously this is, this is a, a really important conversation, but Pat and I joke a lot how we are two guys that have never played football at a high level. I played high school football. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, we talk about the irony of that, that like we have a podcast talking about you guys. And I mean, like, listen, we love this team. That's why we have this. Yeah, we voice our frustrations. You know, we'll be sitting here saying, man, why didn't Antonio do that? When like, dude, we have no idea what it's like. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would love to see where life takes you after football and, and we'll be rooting for you one way or the other, um, whether it be in the league or, or it be, uh, you know, working in some sort of media. Um, while we have you, is it cool if we switch to a little bit of football questions for you? Yeah, that's fine, for sure. So first and foremost, got to start with uh, the conversation that you and I uh, first crossed paths on. Um, NCAA announced that players can wear number zero this year. Bought a hard campaign to get it, but ultimately uh, we're told that you're sticking with number 55. How man. for you, man? Man, coach broke my heart with that one. Cause I'm not playing with you. It was a, I said this like forever ago. I think it was 2016 when they put out the poster for the for the season, and it was uh uh like they they like one person had on the jersey that said two, the next one had zero, the next one had one, next one had six. So. I was like, man, I said, yo, that number zero looks kind of hard. <laughs> like, if I ever get a chance, I'm aware. I'm like, something like the right person has to wear it, though. Yeah. I felt like I was the right person. But, you know what I'm saying? My heart got broken. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my- now between not, not giving you number zero, because we're upset about it, too. Good. Good. Oh, it's not a defensive lineman number. Well, what's a defensive lineman number? Why are you trying to box me in? I don't like that. Fifty's <laughs> yeah, a linebacker. You know, in the fifties are generally linebacker numbers anyway. You're already that's breaking. What, that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. But, but I also understand. I also understand they're gonna give it to the you know some somebody on offense probably gonna get it. You know, if if KJ would have stayed, KJ probably would have got it. You gotta you gotta really be an electrifying type of player if you got number zero on. So you know. But, um, yeah, man, uh, but my mom would have been mad at me anyway if I changed my number because <laughs> four years of everything that has 55 on it. Yeah. You know, yep. I, I buy anything else. So, at the end of the day, Coach did it for your mom. We get it. Yep. Probably. <laughs> All right. Um, and I think, like, one of the big things that's on everyone's mind is just, like, how this season is going to go. Um, I know they started returning, like, a phase one of guys to campus this week. Um, and there's a bunch of guys coming back next week too. Um, I know you're still at home. And any, what's like the uh, calendar on you returning? And like, what do you think this season is just gonna look like you, for gameplay? Uh, I mean, I don't think I don't think that this season is going to be uh, what we're used to, just in the terms of like, nor just. Obviously, just with the virus, like any sense of kind of normalcy is kind of weird right now. Um, but I mean, as far as like on the predictions or anything, I don't. I mean, I don't really know. Then we got a great team. Um, we got great offense, great defense, great special teams. We got great coordinators on all three sides of the ball. We got a lot of guys returning. We got a lot of great, uh, you know, veteran leadership. A lot of guys that play a lot of football. A lot of guys that are comfortable on the field, um, you know. I mean, I don't. I'm not. I'm not one to make you know bold predictions or anything. But I have a very good feeling about what we can do this year. 
just like every year. Um, you know, people always just because I'm from Columbus, people always want to talk about Ohio State and you know, like, oh, well, we'll be, what's it going to be like this year? Like, okay, well, you understand we have games to play before that. We still got week one to play. Want to know. Want to know every week, right? Because <laughs> the second you start to overlook somebody is the second that you get ran up on. And now it's playoff selection time. And you're talking about shoulda, coulda, woulda because you lost somebody this year. In a lawsuit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. So that's yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, we just honestly, I mean, of course, we want to make sure you guys are all safe first and foremost, but we hope there's we hope there's a season in some fashion, whether it be with fans, without fans, we hope that we hope that it's back in one way or the other. Um, yeah. You know, being in the defensive line, uh, you had uh, most of your career under uh, Coach Sean Spencer, who we love. Uh, I know, you know, we, we saw that in Joe Doc, much uh, of an impact he had on all of you guys. So, wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your relationship with uh, Coach Spencer, and then obviously it's been a short term, um, but but how things have been with uh, Coach Scott taking. Um, I'm not, I'm not being dramatic when I say this. You know, Spence literally changed my life. Hey, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not even funny. You know, my high school team, we weren't very good. We didn't win at all, pretty much. Um, but, you know, he saw something in me. Coach Franklin and Coach Pride saw something in me. And, you know, I'm always going to be thankful for that. I'm always going to be thankful for that. Um, you know, when my first couple years with Spence was kind of rough just because, you know, he – we both have very strong personalities and we don't like to back down from things. So I would kind of take things that he would say to me, you know, like when it comes to, like, coaching me up or, um, you know, just how we would speak and how he would challenge me. I took that the wrong way because I was an 18- and 19-year-old kid. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know how to deal with, you know, a very straightforward and aggressive man because I never really had to deal with it ever since I was a child. Right. And, and after that, and I realized, you know, how much of what he was saying was completely right. You know, everything started going up. You know, I started doing better in the weight room, the classroom. I mean, I've always been strong, but I was doing even better in the weight room, better in the classroom, playing better on the field. And it was a real turning point, you know, one time when I went, it was after the Citrus Bowl. I believe after that winter, and before that winter, I uh, no, it was after that winter. After we have um, our meetings, you know, with coach, you know, as like an eval to see how you know the uh, how um, how the winter went, how he thought the season went, things like that. I said, "Tell me exactly what I have to do to start next season." He said, "You need to be." He told me exactly what I need to do, and then I went out there and did it. So, you know, I put the work in for it. And I, I, I credit any any success that I've had. You know what I'm saying? I in college I equated Spence, just because you know uh, a lot of the time all it takes is somebody believing in you. You know I didn't have very many offers. Penn State was my biggest offer. You know for a long time I kind of struggled with the fact like do I even belong here? Because we get to school and I'm here with you know all Americans and guys that got three four state titles. 
and I got five total high school wins. I'm like, yo, I don't belong here, bro. Oh, man. I struggled with that for a long time, but Spence really, Spence really, you know, taught me, like, bro, like, you're here. Yeah. Everybody's path is different. You know what I'm saying? Some people's path to get here was a little bit easier than others, you know? But don't discredit yourself because, you know what I'm saying, of how you got here. You're here, bro. So he gave me that confidence to really, you know, trust myself. And, you know, I think that everything is um, everything is looking up. And as far as, of course, Scott goes, um, you know, we all understand he's not stepping into easy shoes to fill, you know, at all whatsoever. Um you know, he's a, he's a, he's coming from the, uh, he has an NFL background. Um, you know, uh, one of his players in South Carolina last year just went first round. Yeah. Um, no, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of experience. He knows what he's talking about. He knows exactly, you know, what the NFL scouts are looking for. Um, you know, so I feel, I, I have a good, I have a great feeling about Coach Scott, uh, you know, uh, it's just my job right now to be, you know, as mature as I can about the situation. Um, cause you know, I'm sure, you know, all of us seniors, you know, we all would have liked, you know, have one more year with Spence, but you know, you gotta be mature about the situation, you know, cause he's going to need our help, you know, when it comes to the leadership in the room and you know, that that's our role now. That's even more so our role is to be, you know, even bigger leaders in the room and on the defense. So, you know, I got a good feeling about everything, and um, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, so heading into your senior season this year, huge year, obviously. Um, and we know you guys got your eye on, you know, Big Ten championship, national championship. Um, but I want to hear about like any any other big goals you got as a team uh, for yourself. And I want to know, you know, who's getting who's getting kind of slept on this season? Who have we not heard about that you think is ready to break out? Oh, okay. Um, as far as my individual goals, my individual goals align with the team goals, right? So, me, obviously, I'm trying to get drafted, right? Everybody wants to be a first-rounder, right? Everybody wants that guaranteed money. And that money is life-changing, seen my friends get drafted for the past three years and I've seen their lives change. So obviously I want a piece of the pie too. Right. Hell yeah. So obviously I know, I know what I got to do. I know what I got to do, you know, at least from the feedback that I've gotten from coach, you know, and just what I've heard, you know, from certain pro scouts, I know exactly what I got to do. So now I just have to attack that. Um, but the biggest thing I want to do, I want to win a championship. That's that's been that's been on my mind for I don't know how long because I was watching the 2016 game. It was just on TV, and I was just in the house. And I was just watching it, and part of me is happy because I'm like, yeah, man, like you know what I'm saying, like I was there, you know that happened, you know what I'm saying, that's something I experienced. But the other half is mad at me. It's mad at myself that I haven't been able to help lead this team to do it again my senior year of high school I didn't win a single game I went 0 and 10 right it's not something I'm very proud of but I am proud of myself because I was able to go to college 
Right. So I want I want my senior season at college to be the complete opposite of what it was in high school. I want to win. I want to bring a championship to Penn State and say I did it because oh, yeah. in 2016 I was on the team, but I wasn't out there fighting for it. You know, I had my role. My role was was was, was on the practice squad. That was my role. And I and you know that you got to accept that. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't I wasn't ready to play college ball yet. And that's fine. But now I am. You know what I'm saying? So now I wanna have my name on like I wanna I wanna have my name directly attached to this. When people like when people turn on the TV and they watch the game, they be like, Oh, this the uh this the team with uh with Shaka, Micah, and Antonio and them, right? Hell this yeah. this that defense, right? With Tariq and, and, and Lamont and, and Brisker and everybody else and PJ and you know what I'm saying? Everybody. Like, oh, this is the offense with Sean Clifford and uh, Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Jahan Dawson, uh, you know what I'm saying? Everybody. Yep. That's what I want. You know what I'm saying? I want to go, I want to go out being on one of them legendary teams. That's what I want to do. Now, as far as sleepers go, I feel like it's a lot of people. Oh my goodness. Um, Marquise Wilson is a sleeper. That boy has ball skills like I've never seen before, and we got to see that in the uh, what's it called in the in the Cotton Bowl. Yep. Um, our running back room, as great as they are, I still don't think people are really understanding how gr- how great these people are and how great Coach Sider is of coach. Um, I think, uh, I think Rasheed Walker. Is a really good is is good. Uh, C.J. Thorpe is extremely aggressive. Mike Mennett is extremely aggressive. Wolf Fries, um, I think Juice Juice Scruggs is a sleeper. Yeah. Just um, just because you know people haven't seen too much of me, but Juice got some of the best feet I've ever seen on a, on a football player. Period. Um, I think our old line is gonna do great things as a whole uh, with uh, with the, our, our new coach. Um, not to not coach line go or anything, but I just think that uh, this new coach can bring, you know, some more perspective seeing as how, you know what I'm saying? He, he just hit, he's been a little bit more experience, you know, just a different perspective, things, you know, NFL guy, national championship guy with Tim Tebow, you know, he could just bring that. Um, I think Jesse Lucetta is a sleeper. Ellis Brooks is a sleeper. Like we, I just feel like we got weapons all over the place. Uh, yeah. Like and people, I already know it's gonna come up again. Like, oh, y'all lost Yitor, y'all lost Rob. Can y'all still be great as a D line? Like, we get asked the same question every single year, and every single year we put up forty or more sacks. Yep. <laughs> we keep delivering, and people keep asking these questions. So it's like I don't understand what the thing, what the deal is. Uh, we all obviously know the freaking nature that is Mike Parsons. Um. I still don't think Shaka gets the respect that he deserves. Um, people try to just box him in as strictly a third down defensive end, but he's a he's a he can play all four downs if necessary. Um, PJ Mustafer is very good, very very good. Um, the boy just know how to make plays. Uh, who else is there? Um, as far as the receivers go, we got two. Um, Two young dudes from uh, from Florida, TJ and JD. Yep. Yo, I'm trying to tell you right now, these these young boys work so hard. 
I just I can't wait I can't wait to see him, you know, I can't wait to see him, you know, blossom and yeah. go out there and really do what they do. And I think our offense as a whole is kind of a sleeper, you know, especially with um, you know, with Coach Soraka coming in. I say we call him hot sauce because Soraka sounds like sriracha, which is a hot sauce. <laughs> so me and Shaka just call him hot sauce. Um, like well, hot sauce coming in, I like it. I I just have a great feeling about everything that's going on right now. We got a bunch of guys that you know a lot of people haven't seen, so of course there's gonna be question marks. But I know these people, and I know, I know what they bring to the table. And I know how they play. And I know they're not here for no reason. So, yeah, I'm very excited. That's awesome. Man. I love I love the passion, love the confidence. Because you're right, the questions, I mean, this is especially what we do in the offseason, even in a regular season. Online, on Twitter, you got to talk about some What's the weakness? I'm just excited for this team. Yeah. I love Me too. I'm, the I'm, questions on the D line too. Like every year, it seems like everyone's gonna just asking you guys, "Oh, how are you ever gonna replace this guy?" And, and to me, it, it reminds me of uh, Penn State's wrestling team. Like every year, there's you know some guy leaving that was like a two, three time NCAA champ, and everyone asks, "How are we ever gonna replace this guy?" But every year, it's just reload and replenish. Yeah, exactly, because what people don't understand is, it's like, who do you think, like? you understand that there's people underneath this man learning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I learned, I learned a lot from the older guys in front of me until it was my turn to go. And now there are young guys who look at me and observe what I do. Right. So that just, you know what I'm saying? That just inspires me and all of us to be even better. It's like, it's, it's just, it's a standard of how things are done. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you want to uphold it, which is why it bothers me so much that I haven't won a championship while I've been playing on the field. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I walked into it. I'm like, I came from nothing to a championship team in less than a year. Yeah. So I'm like, this is what it is. This is what it's supposed to be. I had to get used to winning. And then when you get used to winning so much, you hate losing even more. And you want to keep winning. And at a certain point, winning – a certain amount or not as much as you want isn't enough anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I just, I mean, every, and everybody, that's the best part about football and the best part about athletics in general is everybody else feels the same way. Everybody else wants to win. And that that's the fun of it. It's like, yo, you got to go out here and you really got to take it if you really want it like that. So, Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Like I said, we hope that there's a season, you know, with fans would be amazing. If we have to go without fans or with reduced fans, we just hope that you guys can stay safe and, and you know, go out on a high note. Um, we'll let you go, uh, but we just want to say thank you, man, so much for coming on, having some real open conversation with us. You know, that means means more to us than, than I'm sure you know, and, um, you know, always welcome to come back on in the future. Uh, one last question I do have for you before we let you go. Uh, I've always been curious. Your Twitter handle uh, – Groovy Montana. I think it was Groovy Soprano or something else beforehand. What's the story behind Groovy? Okay. So I'm glad you asked me because nobody's ever asked me this. So um, Schoolboy Q is my favorite rapper. And he, um, on his album, uh, Blank Face LP, which came out my freshman year, my freshman year of college, um, has a song on it. It's called Groovy Tony. And 
I was like, well, I was like, it's, it's pretty much my name. So it kind of just goes with it. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of took it and ran with it. And the whole, um, the whole uh, Groovy Soprano or Groovy Montana thing is a play off of uh, Tony different, Soprano, like, Tony yeah, different Tonys. Yeah, just like different legendary Tonys that I that I kind of that uh, I draw inspiration from. Like I've been watching The Sopranos this entire time while I've been home. Oh, best um, show ever. <laughs> and um, Scarface is one of my favorite movies. I probably saw it before I was supposed to see it as a kid, um, but. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things. Um, it's just something that I um, I don't know, just something I could be a little bit uh, creative with, yeah. I guess. So I just I'm just having fun with it. So now I appreciate you asking me that because nobody ever asked me that. They just kind of they're just like, oh well, that's what it is. But man, yeah, I, man, I'm a good behind the nickname, so that that's cool to hear. Um, all right, man. We'll, we'll, we're gonna let you go. Like I said, thank you so much for for taking some time chatting with us. Um, best of luck as you head back to state college and get everything set up again. Um, like I said, man, anytime you want to come on and chat, open invitation. We'd love to have you on again. Now, I really appreciate y'all because you guys didn't ask, you know, cookie cutter and like quote unquote stupid question. Like I really had to think about answering these questions before I answered them. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, what I'm saying there's media training that goes into things. But I also felt like I was able to kind of, you know what I'm saying, like really be free and kind of really say what I thought. So I really appreciate y'all. And like, you know, the I could tell y'all took y'all's time when it came to writing up these questions. So I really appreciate that because, you know, just for obvious reasons. So y'all ever need me back on here? I'm with it. I'm with whatever. Just let me know when y'all need me and I'm good. Awesome. Yeah, thank, thank you. Much. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good one. You too. <clears throat>